Hello, sports fans, and welcome to another edition of Yesterday Sports on the Sports History Network. And make sure to check out sportshistorynetwork.com slash giveaways. I have two signed books I'm giving away. One is titled No Nonsense Old School Weight Training, and the other is Reliving 1970s Old School Football. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Hello, sports fans, and welcome to another edition of Yesterday Sports here on the Sports History Network. I started watching Major League Baseball in 1969 when I was seven years old. The Miracle Mets had just defeated the mighty Baltimore Orioles in the World Series, winning four games to one. Since I lived right across the river in New Jersey, I was glad to see a New York team win. But it didn't matter all that much to me, since I was not a Mets fan, but a Yankees fan. My father was a lifelong Yankees fan, and he regaled me and my brother with all the stories about how great the Yankees were when he was a youth. He was born in 1932, so he had seen all the great Yankee teams of the 1940s, the 1950s, and the early 1960s. He told us about all the great players they had in the past, so naturally my brother and I became Yankees fans too. But there was also another reason we became Yankee fans. There was a bowling alley not very far from our home, close enough that we could ride our bikes there. The name of this bowling alley was the Rizzuta Barra Bowling Lanes. Former Yankee greats Phil Rizzuto and Yogi Berra were both residents of New Jersey, and they owned the bowling alley. When you walked into the entrance, there were two glass cases, one to the right and one to the left. These glass cases displayed items from their playing days. Bats, baseballs, gloves, spikes, trophies, they had it all. We didn't always have enough money to go bowling, but sometimes we would go there with our friends only to look at those cases. It didn't matter how many times we saw them, we kept going back. But let's get back to 1969. Mickey Mantle had retired before the start of the season. The Yankees had just suffered through another dismal season, finishing with an 80-82 and record. In the last five years, they had only one season where they finished with a winning record, and they had not appeared in the World Series since 1964. They had not won the World Series since 1962, the year I was born which was unacceptable in Yankee land. But there was hope on the horizon. New York had two good pitchers in Fritz Peterson and Mel Stolomire. They also had Roy White and youngster Bobby Mercer in the outfield. And 1970 Rookie of the Year catcher Thurman Munson. They finished the 1970 season with a 93-69 and record. But with the powerful Baltimore Orioles in the same division, that wasn't nearly good enough to reach the playoffs. 
From 1970 to 1975, they had only one losing season, 80 and 82 in 1973. By the time the 1976 season started, they had added a lot of new faces to the team. Gone were Fritz Peterson, Mel Stolemeyer, and Bobby Mercer. New additions to the team were pitchers Ron Guidry, Jim Catfish Hunter, Ed Figueroa, and reliever Sparky Lyle. They also had a new manager in Billy Martin, who took over as the Yankee skipper midway through the 1975 season. Not to mention a newly remodeled stadium. The future looked bright. They finished the 1976 season with a 97-62 and record, their best record since 1964. Catcher Thurman Munson was named American League MVP, and they finished first in the American League division, earning them a trip to the championship series against the American League Western Division champs, the Kansas City Royals. It was a hard-fought series, but the Yankees prevailed, winning the series three games to two. Who can forget Yankee first baseman Chris Chambliss and his dramatic ninth-inning home run that broke a 6-6 tie and sent the Yankees to their first World Series since 1964. The Yankees were going up against the defending World Series champions, the Cincinnati Reds. The Reds were so stacked with talent, they were given the nickname the Big Red Machine because of how easily they defeated their opponents. It was no contest. The Reds swept the Yankees four games to zero, and catcher Johnny Bench was named series MVP. It was a disappointing defeat, but the Yankees had come a long way, and we Yankee fans had high hopes for the 1977 season. The Yankees had acquired shortstop Bucky Dent and pitcher Mike Torres during the offseason to add to their already talented roster. But the biggest news was that they had also acquired free agent Reggie Jackson. Jackson was a perennial all-star player. Many considered him the missing piece the Yankees needed to win the World Series. But Jackson alienated Yankee fans and players alike when he made his infamous straw that stirs the drink comment during a preseason interview. He started the season off slow and got booed by Yankee fans. But by season's end, he had a 286 batting average, 100 RBIs, and 32 home runs. The Yankees finished the season in first place with a 162 record. And once again played the Kansas City Royals in the American League Championship Series. It was another hard-fought series with the Yankees prevailing three games to two. Game five featured a bench-clearing brawl, with the Yankees once again scoring the winning run in the final inning. Next up were the Los Angeles Dodgers. It would be the Yankees' 31st World Series appearance. The Yankees and Dodgers had regularly met each other in the World Series during the 1940s and 1950s but this would be only the second time they had played each other since the Dodgers moved from Brooklyn to Los Angeles 
1958. The Yankees won the seven-game series four games to two and had finally brought the trophy back to New York for the first time since 1962. Reggie Jackson was named series MVP after belting three home runs in the sixth game of the World Series. Three months later, me and my brother's favorite football team, the Dallas Cowboys, won their second Super Bowl. We had much to celebrate as sports fans. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Hey there, Sports History fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude, and I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network. Our podcasters are passionate about uncovering and sharing sports stories from yesteryear. And if you didn't know it already, we have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics. In fact, here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network. Hello, football friends. This is Darren Hayes of the Pigskin Dispatch Podcast, and I'd like to invite you to the portal of positive football history, Pigskin Dispatch and pigskindispatch.com. We talk about everything that centers around the game of American football, expert discussions, the origins of the games, the great players, teams, and coaches, and more, and some great guests and insights from experts. We have new episodes three to four times a week, and you can find us on sportshistorynetwork.com, pigskindispatch.com, or your favorite podcast provider. How about that? I bet you're super hyped to go listen to that new podcast, right? Well, to learn about this show and all the other podcasts on the network, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Head over there today to find your next favorite sports history podcast.